Hello? Good morning. Yeah, that's, is that, that, that's on now. Super. Uh, welcome as we come to worship this morning. It's wonderful um, to see you. Um, it's wonderful to see uh, on this Palm Sunday the little donkey uh, outside as well uh, called Peanuts. Uh, you, if you notice, Peanuts will be about at the end. We're having tea and coffee as well. If you notice the very prominent cross on Peanuts' back, um, some of them don't show so well, but in particular Peanuts is showing, so that's a, a wonderful addition today. If you're visiting with us, we bid you a warm welcome, and indeed to the, the wider Leary family, we bid you a warm welcome here in this place. Uh, we begin um, today with some verses of Scripture from Psalm 93. They say, The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You're from all eternity, and the seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so in this Palm Sunday, as we heal you as our King, help us as we set, a time, set aside this time, whether it's in person or gathered together online, Set aside this time to worship you, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds to receive more of you. We might leave transformed and renewed and refreshed by your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And when he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their garments on the colt, they set Jesus upon it. And as he rode along, they spread their garments on the road. As he was now drawing near, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that even today you knew the things that make for peace. But now they are hid from your eyes, for the days shall come upon you when your enemies shall cast up a bank about you and surround you 
and hem you in on every side and dash you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. We continue our series of stories uh, of Easter um, as we reflect and think um, on those characters in the run-up um, to the Easter. Those, as we said before, those, um, if you tell a story to somebody, there's always um, a character in it, doesn't there? Normally there's a character in your story, there's an individual in your story, uh, it evolves around someone. An Easter story is no different. Uh, we often focus on Jesus, but there are lots of other characters um, in the story, and so that's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> and doing it again um, today. Um, now we've looked at Mary, um, how she pondered at Jesus' birth, wept at his death, and ultimately rejoiced at his resurrection. Last week we looked at Thomas, the one who uh, got that name of being the real doubter, doubting Thomas, uh, but yet faith won through with him uh, in the end. So today we look at the crowds. Um, the, it's a common scene in Palm Sunday. Um, the crowds, um, the ones who have gathered to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. Now crowds evoke different things in different people. Um, some people get very nervous in a crowd, anxious in a crowd. For others, they thrive in a crowd. That's where they get fed from. They're people, people, and that's where they get energized from. Whenever people are confronted with a crowd, some um, will relish the limelight, um, others will cower in fear that there are too many people in front of them. And that can simply be walking along a towpath and there are a large group of teenagers coming towards you and so the crowd puts you off walking any further. But yet we know that there are other people who would relish standing in front of a bunch of people. Now, inwardly, I am actually an introvert. You know, that's hard to believe. But the kind of what I do makes you become an extrovert in that sense. Um, but there are moments where I want to walk away from a crowd and there are other moments where actually that's okay and I do get energy from that. I can get both sides of those feelings, if you like. And the other phrase that's often used around the crowd is, well, two's company, but three's a crowd, isn't it? Because... Often the third is the spare wheel in the relationship and so it becomes difficult as well. And so there are lots of different ways that we can look at the crowds that gather on Palm Sunday, but lots of different ways that we can look at how we define a crowd. Now, if you look at the dictionary definition of a crowd, as a noun, it simply says many people gather together in a disorganized or unruly way. There are many people gathered here now at the minute. But you're not disorganized and none really. Well, not at the minute, anyway. We'll see how long I go for, and then we'll see what happens. Um, but, so, but as a verb, it says to fill a space almost completely, leaving little or no room for movement. So we talk about people are crowding me, aren't they? That intense person in the workplace or in school is crowding my space, and I want them to stay away a wee bit. Too, no room for comfort, we would say. So what are we to make of this crowd um, on Palm Sunday in this passage. Well, verse 37 says this, When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the cool crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. 
They joyfully welcomed Jesus. I love that phrase. They joyfully welcomed Jesus because joy, as we said before, is infectious, isn't it? You know, whenever a baby starts to laugh in a room, we all start laughing with it, don't we? And they start that kind of belly laugh. Then we all start giggling along with it. Whenever somebody is in a room and they begin to smile, the smile becomes infectious. The joy bubbles out. It overflows um, out of them. And so it becomes an infectious thing. And so whenever these disciples became joyful in their welcome of Jesus, the crowd began to follow what it was that they were doing. But that wasn't all of the crowd because whenever you have so many people, there can be obviously a number of different opinions uh, happening in the one place. Verse 39 says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They weren't happy. They weren't content with what was going on. And in one sense, there are a couple of certainties in life. One of them is, as the old preacher in me says, the only certainty in life is death. But there is another certainty, and that's that you'll never please everybody all of the time. But what? As humans, we strive in both of those fears, to live as long as we can and often to please as many people as we can. And that often can become a place of contention in our own lives, a place of strife, a place of anxiety within ourselves. But not Jesus. Jesus already knew that the crowd was going to be fickle. He knew what was going to happen because he had planned ahead. Verse 28 says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to him, Go to the village. And we know, paraphrasing, we know whenever he said, Well, go and get a donkey, untie it and bring it to me. And immediately the disciples were going, Well, what if the man thinks I'm stealing it? Just tell him I have sent you. He will know what it's about. Jesus has already prepared the way. And that is such an important truth for us today. Jesus has prepared the way before us. Often we pray for his presence with us. But we can also stand in the truth that he is preparing the way in front of us. And so Jesus entered the place where he be healed as a king, riding on a donkey. Now, I alluded to it earlier. The, the long-awaited Messiah... The one who the Jewish nation had been waiting for for centuries was to come, and everybody had imagined, assumed in their own heads, that he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. And the only way he could do that was if he came and built a military force alongside him to do it. So whenever their Messiah, the King of Kings, was coming into Jerusalem, as they sang, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. They weren't expecting him to come on a riding on a wee donkey. And it was a young colt, so it wouldn't have been much bigger than the donkey we have outside today. Now, there was great debate in our house, actually, never there was a live donkey coming, uh, because for those who are visiting today, the normal donkey in this parish <laughs> is me. I arrived here a couple of weeks before uh, the Christmas play, for my first time ever in church and I was presented with a donkey suit to take part in the nativity play. And it was only after we'd done the nativity that I realized that I was far too warm having sat against the radiator and there was no way that I could move from the nativity to get out of the donkey suit that I would then have to do my children's talk. 
as a donkey. And so whenever the donkey is talked about in this church, it's me who normally turns up in a suit. So I'm rather relieved today. Um, but the great the conversation happened in our house about whether um, this donkey was going to come into church today and if daddy would be riding the donkey uh, up the aisle. I would say if I sat on that donkey's back, my legs would probably touch the ground. Well, no, they wouldn't actually. Um, but you can imagine a normal-sized man like Jesus, his legs would be touching the ground. So it wasn't this magnificent sight riding into Jerusalem. It was almost a cumbersome sight. It was a sight that everybody would have looked at and went, really? You're the Messiah? But inside and outside, they were saying, blessed is the king who comes. The crowd was healing him as the king. They were recognizing his purpose in coming. But we know that changes later on in the week. Because the thing about the crowd is that, the thing about any crowd is, its opinion can be swayed. And so the question is, are you easily led or do you stand firm on your principles? I'm not sure if you can see it totally clearly on the screens, but that's an image that's been going around for a very long time. Um, during World War II, with, uh, the whole crowd is making their salute to Adolf Hitler. And there's one man who's got a ring around him, standing with his arms folded, not doing it. And often as Christians, that's what we're called to be, isn't it? We're called to be the distinctive one in the crowd who is not simply going because it's the way everybody else is going, but to stand and make a stand for our principle. The Easter story tells us that the crowd is singing Jesus and all of his praise on the Sunday was crying, crucify him by the Friday. And often the difference, the difference between deciding whether you will follow the crowd or not is made in a decision in your own heart hours, days, months, weeks ahead of time. Often the decision is made in the quietness of your heart, not in the noise of the moment. So whenever the moment comes, you know where it is that you stand. You know what it is that you believe. You wrote... Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 10 says this. This is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And the quietness of our hearts is about writing God's law, God's word on our hearts and our lives so that we know what it is that we believe. So whenever the moment comes, the crowd doesn't sway us and change our opinion in the wrong way. But a powerful verse in this passage that Roy read today is in verse 21, 41. As he approached us, Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. Here we see the simple compassion of Jesus. Knowing the fickleness that the crowd was about to have with him, and for him, knowing the death that he would ultimately die, he wept for the city. He wept for the people around him. His concern, his compassion, his love stands out in his joyous occasion. As I prepared for this, I had this sort of image in my head, if you like, of this cumbersome Jesus sitting on a small donkey, the crowd cheering and smiling and laughing joyously, but yet 
Jesus' eyes filled with tears and the redness around him, knowing that he'd been weeping with compassion for the people who were hailing him as king. And that's part of the simplicity of the gospel. Behind me stands that lovely cross. You can't miss it whenever you walk through these doors. The cross is that symbol of death, horrific death. But yet it's a thing of beauty because it brings new life. It brings compassion, love, and grace into our situation. It means that we know that Jesus already goes before us because death could not contain him. He is alive and well. And so the question for us today as we think about the crowds on Palm Sunday is this. How are you influenced by the crowd today? That's ironic that I asked that question, having said that you shouldn't be influenced by a crowd today. Let me put it another way. How will you respond to Jesus in the quietness of your heart today? What line in the sand is he forming in your character today? That means that you will know the reaction that you have to take at a later date. Be open, be honest, be strong. For today the Lord wants to write his law, his word upon your heart so that you might have a joyful welcome for him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you not only are with us, but that you go before us. Thank you that in this moment you have compassion and love for us. So help us not to miss that, Lord. Help us to see you afresh and anew today and to understand what you have done for us and to receive you as king, truly receive you as king in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, So uh, as we conclude, uh, we hear some words from Ephesians chapter 3. May the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine. May the God who is able to do immeasurably more in our lives this day and forevermore. So may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless one each one of us, today and forever. Amen. Amen.